This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in here to the Friday Shootaround. I am Ryan Gilbert. Today we are joined by former Wildcat Jay Heydrich. Jay, of course, played back in the 90s and has been a longtime friend of Go Power Cat through the years. Jay, how are you, man? We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, I'm doing great. I mean, especially after the big win this week, so it's awesome. We're uh, sponsored by the Part-Time Beverage Company. Real quick, if you haven't checked them out, go to your lo- local liquor store. Check out the Cape Cod, the club special. Two really good drinks. Go be sure to check those out. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure you're hitting subscribe. It really helps us grow and reach more K-Staters to watch our videos. But, Jay, I know we want to talk about this KU game. But before we do that, I think we got to touch on this TCU loss for just a few minutes. And we talked with Pearson McAtee last week on the show. Since then, we've had the TCU game and the KU game. So this TCU matchup, I, I think, really did present some serious matchup issues that really can't be overlooked. Eddie Lampkin down down low really gave K-State some fits. Obviously, KU was a, a much better draw for K-State, but do you agree that that was kind of just a maybe a, a sloppy game and a bad matchup for K-State against TCU? I mean, it, yeah, I mean, they, they obviously didn't play well. They didn't finish well around the rim. Uh, missed a lot of bunnies. It, it, it's a neat grinder of a conference. I mean, to expect uh, that you're going to go in and uh, play excellent every night, and even if you play excellent, you may still lose. Uh, the fact that they had 28 or 20, they give up, I think, 28 points off of turnovers and only lost by 14, tell, I mean, tells you that uh, they, they probably wasn't as bad as, as it looked. But yeah, it's just, it's one of those games that you flush, you move on. And I think that Lincoln does present a matchup problem. He presents a matchup problem for a lot of schools in the conference. Uh, they use a better matchup. You know, K-State's really long, they're really bouncy, really athletic, but they're not particularly big in the post as far as thickness. And so when you get someone like Lampkin, who is a really good athlete, really strong, really big body, he's going to present some issues. And to me, the bigger issue was they just didn't take care of the ball. Uh, and, and TCU likes to go up and down. And when you when you give a team like TCU uh, 20 additional possessions uh, you, that you get nothing out of, that's what you're going to see. So I didn't think at the time, and I still don't think that it's a huge cause for concern. I think Coach Tang and his staff will make adjustments that are necessary. I think the players will make adjustments uh, next time they play them around it. And they show that they that they grew for it. They didn't let that one loss turn into two losses coming into KU on Tuesday. And that was that's where I wanted to go at this next point. Do you think that maybe losing to TCU 
helped Kansas State kind of just settle in and say, hey, we got to keep working. We got to bounce back and be resilient. Do you think that maybe if K-State was undefeated going into this KU game, they would have maybe overlooked the Jayhawks a little bit? Do you think a loss helped K-State? In a roundabout way, yeah. Um, I don't think they would have ever overworked the Jayhawks, but I think the pressure would have been more. You know, they're an undefeated team coming in. They probably would have been a top 10 team uh, um, going into the uh, um, game with KU. And so I don't think they would have overlooked it, but I think the pressure would have been more. I thought they came out Tuesday night and played really loose early. Uh, that showed they jumped out. I thought that they kind of tightened up a little bit, but they, they always just maintained their composure and were able to answer KU on the runs when necessary. Does that happen? Did they get the same start on Tuesday night if, if they beat TCU? Maybe, maybe not. But I do think that, you know, in a roundabout way, there's all you never want to lose a game, but there's always things you can pull from a loss that are helpful. And I think that that was certainly one of them um, that came through. And I think there's maybe a little bit of overlooking TCU on Tuesday or I mean on Saturday when you had uh, the KU game coming up this week, too. So. All in all, you know, all's well that ends well. And I think that, you know, you learn things from a loss and got a big win on Tuesday. And I, I like where K-State sits. All right, let's dive into the KU game. I don't even know where to start, but Jay, that's got to be probably the biggest win in years for K-State, right? Yeah, it's 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 the biggest win in years because on a number of fronts. One, it, it just continues what Coach Tang has been saying is that, you know, we're here to elevate, we're here to build. You know, Bruce had some success against KU. I think he beat him twice maybe. So it's not like Bruce was on a huge losing streak, but I think that this one just feels different because I don't think anyone looks at that game on Tuesday and says, this is an anomaly. I certainly didn't. I, I came out mm-hmm. yeah. of that game Tuesday and thought that K-State is just as good, if not better than KU. I think K-State's more athletic. Uh, Jalen Wilson obviously put on just an incredible performance, but you got to remember, K-State didn't get much out of Marquise Noel. Um, they have a starter uh, with Gasson that, that's out. Um, and so there, there's a lot of things that, that um, went wrong. You could look on both sides and say, but, you know, what if, what if, what if? But I don't think anyone with looking at it rationally left Tuesday thinking, wow, that was just a fluke by K-State. I think K-State is just as good, if not better than KU this year from, a, um, uh, from when you look at it from the top to bottom. What can you say about Coach Tang and the way that they coached this game? Rodney Perry was on the scout uh, for, for Tuesday night's game, and there were a couple times where K-State coming out of a timeout had a couple of easy points, and – the same thing can be said for, for Bill Self and KU, right? I think it was a good coaching battle. But what does it say about the way Coach Tang was able to go toe-to-toe with one of the top coaches in the country, if not the top coach? Yeah, I, I think that Bill Self is um, in the Hall of Fame for a reason. Uh, I think he's probably the best coach in the country at getting buckets out of timeouts historically. You know, maybe Coach Tang's better than him. I don't know. It's certainly a uh, um, small sample size, but he, he showed uh, some promise in that on Tuesday night. But I think what was really telling in that point was – that um, K-State got key buckets out of bounds. You look at the lob uh, coming out of that timeout towards the end of the game to Keontae. But the one thing that hasn't been discussed a whole lot is that at the end of regulation and at the end of overtime, 
uh, Coach Self called timeout. So they were coming out of timeouts to draw those sets up, something that is in his wheelhouse and he's exceptional at. And they got nothing out of it because they turned the ball over on, on, on both possessions. So I think that that shows the scout um, and uh, whether K-State knew it was coming or not. You know, I don't know. I wasn't in the huddle. But it shows that K-State was prepared. They knew the tendencies. They knew it was going to happen. Uh, and they certainly weren't scared uh, as to what, what was coming at them. So I think that that's something that's been overlooked as well, too, is, you know, the, this game was set up right for KU to win this in, in Bill Self's wheelhouse, and they got nothing out of it. Yeah. I mean, Bill Self mentioned that post game that he had multiple chances with the ball to go out and win the game. And if you were to tell him that before the game, he'd say, heck yeah, you know, sign me up for that. And whether that was K-State just playing good defense or KU not executing, you know, who knows. But I think some credit has to be given to the staff with K-State. And I asked this to Pearson uh, last week on the show. He's gotten a chance to connect with the staff. I know you got to take in a practice, right? You've got to know them. What have your interactions just been with this staff? They're phenomenal. Um, and I say phenomenal, I mean, in every sense of the word, they're not just phenomenal coaches. They're just phenomenal people. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk this week about the chant and how we should, we should view K-State or KU as K-Staters. And you know, that's just coming from – it's not a, you know, KU versus K-State. You know, that's coming from Coach Terry's heart. I mean, it from you know, he he truly believes there's enough hate in this world. Uh, let's, let's show up not because we hate KU, but because we love K-State. Let's express, express it from a, from a position of love of our university as opposed to hatred of the other. And, you know, everyone can say, oh, that's mushy, that's hokey, you know, we hate KU, all these things. But at the end of the day, it's college sports, guys. Um, and, yes, it's important to us, but if your kid has cancer and you take your kid to the uh, KU Cancer Center, are you going to care if the doctor is a KU graduate or you just want that doctor to help your kid? The, the, those are the things I think Coach Tang is trying to reach at is that let's enjoy college sports for what they are. We can have rivalries. We don't have to like playing KU. We don't have to like the things that their fans say and do, and they don't have to like us, and they don't have to like the things our fans say and do. But at the end of the day, let's 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 show up with the love for our university as opposed to the hatred of it. And I think that also one thing that gets overlooked with it too, um, I think he's concerned about how it appears to recruits too, and particularly their families. Yeah. Yep. Um, if yep. you're sitting there with, you know, a, um, a recruit and his mother and his father, and um, they're, uh, they're, 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 they're people like coach Tang and the staff that are devout. They have a strong belief in their faith and they see a university and a group of people chanting that. That, that just doesn't look good because they don't understand. You can say, well, it's just a rivalry, but people who you want to come to Kansas State, they don't appreciate that rivalry when they're on their visit. All they do is see thousands of people chanting FKU, and that just, that's not a great look. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad <clears throat> I'm glad you mentioned all of that because I was going to ask you what your kind of views and opinions were just on not only the, the chant, but what Coach Tang had to say about it. And I appreciate the fact that Tang really kind of downplayed the rivalry. Now, I'm sure deep down he knows the importance of of this game, but just making sure that I think not only his players, but the fans understand that it just it's just one game, right? You go one and zero, or you go zero and one. It doesn't do, it doesn't give you the Big Twelve. Doesn't win you a national title, right? So I, I appreciate that he did that. Jay, I'm curious as you know, you played back in the '90s, right? I was I wasn't born at that time. Has this rivalry really changed much since then? I know the chant has – that's only been a thing in the last 10, 15 years, right? Was that a thing back then? 
No, it wasn't. I mean, when I played, uh, half the stadium was KU fans because that, that was the <laughs> only way to get a ticket to watch a KU game was to come to K-State. Um, and I remember playing here in Rock Chalk Jayhawk in, uh, in, in Brandon. So, yeah, the rivalry has changed because I think K-State's elevated to a spot where, you know, it, it is um, more competitive. And the, uh, the, the other thing, too, that goes along with it is I think Coach Tang is wanting to say your goal can't be to beat KU. So uh, th- that atmosphere on Tuesday was incredible. And what he's, well, I think what he's saying is, why can't that atmosphere be there on Saturday now? I mean, if you're really, really coming, if you're really coming because you love K State and you want the Wildcats to do well, then that atmosphere should be there on Saturday too. Now it's not going to be as intense. It's not going to be um, uh, at the same level as your rival. But I think that's what he's saying is that you know we our goal can't be to beat KU. There are bigger things out there. Um, for this program. And that's how I think as K-Staters, we have to um, uh, move beyond. I mean, this this season is not going to be a success just because we beat KU. And had we lost on Tuesday, this season wouldn't have been a failure just because we lost to KU. We have to get out of our mindset of KU, beating KU in basketball is the end-all, be-all. You know, there are bigger things out there than just, than just beating KU. And I think that's what he wants to focus on is let's focus on us. Let's go back to the game a little bit and just talk about the, the play of Desi Sills and the bench for Kansas State. Ishmael had some great energy, knocked down a couple big shots. He had a block shot early on when he checked in. But but Desi Sills was really kind of the story of this game. Marquise Noel, I don't think he played that bad of a game. I think KU just said, hey, we're going to take you out and make, mm-hmm. make somebody else step up. And I don't know if Keontae Johnson wasn't as important to Bill Self, but Keontae Johnson scored 24 and so did Desi Sills, what can you say about just the confidence that that guy's playing with, especially coming off the bench? Yeah, I mean, winners win. You know, that's what I texted Coach Sutton after the game or Coach Tang after the game. I said, hey, great win. Uh, winners win. Um, and he said that several times, too. I think that, you know, that's one of the benefits, I think, of having a completely revamped roster is these these guys know um, the importance of the game. It's in, they obviously feel it around the community, what's happening with it. But at the same time, too, they're not intimidated by it. I mean, they've never played KU before. They've never um, done those things. And so it's just, you know, it's a big-time game. And when you have guys that believe in one another and believe in the system and are disciplined and willing to buy into it, this is what happens. It's a product of it. You get someone else who who steps up, you know. Ish struggled on defense this year a lot, had that block. You know, I did not have Ish Masood making a defensive play to win the game on my K-State bingo card for the game. Um, and I don't <laughs> think uh, anyone else did either, but he did. He stepped up and he made it. Um, and, and I think Keontae is just Keontae. I mean, that guy's a dude. Uh, and he's the type of player that it doesn't matter how you scheme. Um, he, he can just He can just go get his. Uh, and I, you know, and self did that a little bit. Um, he, he targeted, I thought he would target Keontae early in, in games, especially um, uh, when K-State was on defense because Keontae sometimes struggles on his rotations and with, uh, and at times with defensive intensity. And I would, I thought self would go after him and say, you're going to give up buckets. So we're going to get fouls. One of the two. Um, and he did a little bit, uh, but I thought Keontae responded as well, too, on, on, on the defensive end as well. And so it was just, 
it was an all-around team effort. I agree with Marquise. You know, he didn't have the stat line on the points, but he did a great job running the show, came up with some steals late, um, and was just, you know, a, a presence. He was felt. He may not have scored, but he, his presence was definitely felt. And Desi was just incredible, hitting big shot after big shot. But that's what it takes. I mean, that's what it takes to beat the number two team in the country, whether it's KU or Baylor or Kentucky or Duke or whoever. you got to have people step up if you want to do that. Mm-hmm, certainly. And Naquan Tomlin's been that guy this year. I mean, Keontae and Noel have been the two superstars night in and night out, but it's good to see multiple players stepping up down the stretch when it matters most. Jay, we'll wrap up the first half with this. <clears throat> um, you know, David Gasson did not play in this game. And I want to be fair and, and mention that, you know, Grady Dick fouled out in overtime. Kevin McCuller, he fouled out early on. KJ Adams, he fouled out in regulation, right? And you know, Dewan Harris went to the locker room for, for a second. I don't know what happened with him. But so I, I want to be fair and point out that, you know, both teams might have been shorthanded. But once David Gasson comes back, how important can he be as a scorer? But also, what does it say just about Kansas State? They're able to win this game without one of their best players. I think it's huge. And, you know, I don't think it's fair to say that K-State didn't have Gasson. I mean, yeah, all those players for KU fouled out, but they played. Um, K-State had to yeah. play the same refs KU did, um, and and uh, K-State was able to manage it. So the fact they fouled out isn't exactly a, a move the needle for me. Um, the fact that Gasson didn't even have a chance to get in there um, is is huge. You know, and I think Bebe's done a fine job filling in. Um, uh, Bebe is a uh, he he's not a frontline player right now. He is a guy. He's a reserve who can come in, give you minutes, and do a good job. But I don't think he can fill the same role that Kassan was filling before his injury. So when he comes back, you know, it's going to be great to see K-State have some some additional depth in the post. You know, um, Ish has done a fine job filling in in the four as well, too. But that's not his favorite spot. It's not his natural spot, particularly on the defensive end. Um, I think that that allows Ish to maybe go to um, more of his natural role of um, you know, coming in as an offensive threat, um, and and it will be probably be reduced minutes. But I think that Ish has done a great job of uh, accepting his re- revised role this year. So when Gasson comes back, I think we're going to have some more help on the rebounding end, on the offensive end, especially. Uh, he's he's a phenomenal athlete, and I think that um, it, hopefully we can just mesh with what we have with Bebe and Ish uh, blending in with with their roles as well. Yeah, Bebe's been a, a serviceable backup, and Masood's really stepped up without Gasson. So it's good to see those guys, you know, make the most of their minutes. But once Gasson comes back, it'll be an uptick on offense for sure for Kansas State. We'll take a quick break here on the Friday Shootaround. And once again, we're sponsored by the Part-Time Beverage Company. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back in here to the Friday Shootaround. I am Ryan Gilbert. Today we're joined by former Wildcat Jay Heydrich. Once again, we're sponsored by the Part-Time Beverage Company. Be sure to check them out at your local liquor store. Jay, how do you avoid letting this be the high point of your season after a win over Kansas? 
Uh, I think you just follow what Coach Tang's been preaching. Um, and I think that th there's a method to his madness. I mean, the, the man is smart. Uh, you know, think of it. You go out and you're telling the press, you're telling the public that we got to get KU out of our heads, rent-free, all those things. You create that narrative. And now you're getting people, and your players read read, read uh, the press as well, too. They read message boards. They read Twitter, all those things. And now the narrative has gone from we beat KU to no, we beat the number team, two team of the country. And so it, the, and I think the fact, again, like I said earlier, that you have a revamped roster. This is obviously important to them, but it's not the, the K State fan view where, you know, some of them, this is everything. So I think that this team it looks at this as business. That was a great win. Uh, but, Today, nobody cares what you did yesterday. We got to perform today. And I think that this team has done a really, really good job of being focused on that. They have bigger goals than than uh, just beating KU. And I know the staff has has uh, reminded them of that. And I think that just a masterful job of this coaching staff to keep the players' mindset in the right spot. Kind of going off of that, and I know we mentioned this so, you know, kind of the same way earlier, but how do you not let this be a quote-unquote trap game against Texas Tech who – while the Big 12 is one of the – I mean, it's the best conference in the country, they might be the worst of the of the best, so to speak. How do you not get that look ahead towards Iowa State, which we'll talk about in a moment, but how do you just not uh, let this be sort of a trap game after a big win? I know I, that's what I kind of asked you earlier, but yeah. Texas Tech is not the, the best team in the Big 12. Well, you, you just watch them play. Um, they may not be the best team in, in the Big 12, but they're really good. Um, they're really athletic. You know, they almost beat KU down in Lubbock. Uh, so I think that this team um, uh, is going to look at the film. They're going to see that, um, uh, that this is not a running team. They, their record does not define how good they are. That it, it reflects how the conference they play in. Mm -hmm. And so if, if you're worried about Keaton Tech being, being a trap team, you just got to watch them play and, and see the athletes that they have and, and um, uh, the, the, the work the coaching staff has put in and put them in a position to win. Um, I, I think that the other thing is that I think this team likes winning. Um, you know, we all like winning, but I think this team has experienced it more than uh, K-State teams have in the past. And I think that it is a belief now that it, I don't want to say expectation, maybe obligation is the right word uh, to where our job is to go out. We, we have a duty to go out and win this game this weekend. And I don't think they view KU as a fluke. I don't think that they uh, – view this as, you know, tech being uh, a rummy of the league. I think they look at it like, we're just going to go out. We're just going to beat people. Uh, we don't care if it's KU. We don't care if it's tech. We don't care if it's Iowa state. We're just going to line up and we're going to beat you. I think that that's the mantra that this, this team has followed. And I think that if they keep doing it, they're going to have a lot of success. You mentioned this earlier and just how can't, you know, drone tank kind of downplayed the game against Kansas and everything that he says is calculated. Everything he says has a reason for why he's saying it. And it, it kind of goes without saying he was trying to keep his team calm against KU and, and not look at it as the Super Bowl, but just as any other game. And he's kind of been consistent with that message after the game that, hey, we got to go back to work and and beat Texas Tech. Keontae Johnson, you know, after the game, I don't even know if he knew who the next opponent was. Like, you, you know, it's just – now, take that for what it's worth. He was either locked in on Kansas because it's Kansas or he was locked in on Kansas simply because that was the next game on the docket, right? Oh. I mean, I think it's probably the latter of the two. But 
what do you see out of this Texas Tech team? We'll switch gears and just talk about the Red Raiders. I don't know how much you've watched them this season, but is that a good matchup for Kansas State? You know, to be honest, I haven't studied them a whole lot, um, but uh, I know their coach brings toughness. Um, he's going to they're, – they're, they're going to be athletic. They're going to crash the boards. Uh, for the little bit I have seen, I don't think that they have quite the scoring uh, offensive power that they've had in the past, with particularly with McCuller transferring to uh, Kansas. But it's they're going to guard you. They're going to uh, put pressure on you. They're, I don't think the possessions, the up and down, is going to be as much as it is. And you look at what I think this is one of the reasons why Bruce had a lot of success um, against Texas Tech uh, is that they played a similar style to what Bruce did. You know, slow it down, grind it out, defensive battle. Uh, and I think K State's going to look to push the ball and, and get more possessions. But that can go back and forth. You know, if if Texas Tech slows this game down. Uh, much like Oklahoma State wanted to uh, against Kansas State uh, a week or so ago, and Casey doesn't take care of the ball. That you know possessions of a slow game become really, really valuable. And so you got to be smart. You got to take care of the ball. You got to execute, and you can't let Tech dictate. You can't let their pressure dictate what you're going to do. You have to attack pressure with pressure. Get up and down. Play your game, um, but but be able to adjust as well too. So I I think Tech's going to guard. I think K State's got more weapons. Um, you know, and I think that they've got it. Uh, they're deeper. I think that they're they're able to get more from um, uh, deeper positions on the bench, particularly if uh, Gasan plays. So. I think that it, it'll be it'll be a good matchup. It'll be a hard game, like I said, but it's not one that I think K State should uh, be you know overly worried about if if it can come out and play its game. It's interesting because you mentioned the pace, right? Tech's going to probably try to slow you down a little bit. And Tang, coming into the year and probably in the beginning of the non-conference slate, was mentioned was mentioning how he wants to play a game where you're minimizing what the opponent <clears throat> can do well, right? And now we've gotten to a point, excuse me, where um, it's it's about what Kansas State does well, and it doesn't matter what the <clears throat> what the opponent does, Jay, excuse me. I mean, how far has this staff come to just, because you look at the Texas game and the Baylor game where they're scoring 90, 100, 110 points, and, and then they play Oklahoma State and they score 50 or 60 points. Yeah, that's... They, uh, that's the big thing that they've done. And Coach King mentioned that a little bit after the uh, Oklahoma State game. The, the ability to win in different ways. Uh, yeah. they, you go to Texas, you score 116 points. You go um, score 90-some against Baylor. Then you come out of Oklahoma State, you score like 64 or something like that. So the ability to slow down. If you want to slow down, we can slow down. We can play in the half court. You want to speed it up, we can speed it up. And, and I haven't seen the advanced metrics from the uh, KU game, but I suspect that um, it was a it was a slower game than either side probably wanted to play. If you go to overtime and you only score in the low 80s, uh, so I think that that uh, and of course it was also you know, I texted some friends. It was the most entertaining free throw contest I've ever seen. <laughs> but it uh, you know we uh, uh, I, I think that it'll be interesting to see how K State approaches this. Um, they and they, they make changes. You know K State been switching on defense all year. They didn't switch nearly as much against KU as they have um, in, in prior games. So they, they make adjustments on game to game, de depending on the scout. And it, but it just goes back to, like you said, Ryan, you know, Keontae didn't know who the next opponent was. If you follow K-State coaches on media, on social media, after every game, 
They have um, uh, Coach Bourne in particular. He has some one and zero. That's all. He t- that's all he tweets. One and zero on to the next mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Doesn't matter who it is. Um, it, it's it's on to the next one. And I think that that's the mentality that they have. Is it's one and zero every time. I asked the same exact question to Pearson. I'm curious what your answer will be. Uh, what qualities does this team share with the Barry Brown teams, the Jacob Poland teams, the great K State teams that have that we've seen? I think toughness would be one of it, or would be the biggest one, and uh, particularly mental toughness. I would also say, uh, particularly with the uh, uh, Barry Brown, not Barry Brown, but the Jacob Pullen teams, the discipline. I mean, I think Frank's teams had their limitations, but I thought they were really disciplined in a, in a lot of ways, particularly defensively, um, and accountability. Uh, you know, uh, Barry was an exceptional leader and held his teammates uh, accountable on a lot of fronts. And I think that uh, uh, Jacob obviously did the same thing and Frank as well. But I think that those are the biggest things, being able to have mental toughness, have accountability to your teammates and being willing to just not be scared to to step up and believing that that you can do it uh, and have uh, and make a play. But I think probably the, the biggest thing they share in common is they got good players. Uh, this K-State team is, is talented. Um, Jacob's team is talented. Barry's team is obviously talented. And at the end of the day, you know, like Bob Huggins said, I can have the best jockey, but I'm not winning the Kentucky Derby on a mule. And so I think the, 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 the quality of players is, is probably the biggest difference um, that we've seen for the past couple of years and, and, and the biggest similarity between other successful teams. Jay, we'll wrap it up with this um, next week, Tuesday, a road game against Iowa State. Obviously, Allen Fieldhouse, you know, there's some some tough places to play in the Big 12. Hilton Magic is right up there with that. I mean, how tough is it to win on the road in the Big 12, but also win Ames? It's always hard to win at Ames. It's hard uh, anywhere, uh, as you said. But K-State's had a lot of success up at Ames. Um you know, uh, Bruce had some success up there. Uh, and I think that this team's going to have success as well, too. Uh, it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be up and down. I mean, there's going to be shot after shot, you know, pull up three. It's it's going to be an entertaining game to watch, uh, particularly if shots go in. You know, they've got Caleb Grills playing at a high level right now. They're playing uh, with a lot of confidence with with uh, uh, T.J. Olsenberger has them, has them playing well. So I think that it, it will be another grinder of, of, a, of a game, but it's just going to come down to show up and do what you do. Um, defend, make shots, take them out of what they want to do, and just just go be one of them. That's all you got to do. All right, Jay. I appreciate you hopping on with me, man. Once again, we're sponsored by the Part-Time Beverage Company. Jay, I appreciate you, man. All right. No problem, guys. All right. Thank you, guys. And once again, Jay Heidrich, this was the Friday Shoot Around. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! 
The Challenge All-Stars, new season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.